Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. Sometimes an arrest can be more than it seems. In June of 2007, Wisconsin police made an arrest for what they thought was simply a child protection case. But after talking to a young girl within the home, Police would soon discover all of the sick things that happened inside on June 4th, 2007. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. In late 2006, Tammy Garland began making frantic calls to family members asking for money. She told them she needed $500, and when they inevitably asked what was wrong with her, and if she needed their help, she would state that she just needed the money, that she and her children were traveling with some friends, and nothing more. Then, just as soon as the calls from the 36-year-old began, they stopped. So, where was Tammy? Well, at the time of her phone calls, she was with a group of friends traveling around the U.S. There was 25-year-old Michael Sisk, 23-year-old Candace Clark, 20-year-old Michaela Clark, Clark's children and Tammy's children, 15-year-old Felicia, and her 11-year-old son. The family knew her travel companions, though they did think it was strange that they were together. Michaela Clark was actually Tammy's ex-girlfriend. They began dating when Michaela was 13 and Tammy was 29, and had been together for seven years. In fact, Tammy had moved her children down to Orlando to be with Michaela. But now they were broken up and their separation was anything but a clean one. They fought and Michaela suspected that Tammy was in love with another woman. 
Despite the messy breakup, the pair remained living together in their Sanford, Florida home, along with Candace Clark and her children. Candace, who had pretended to be a lesbian to meet Michaela online with plans to steal her identity and money, but changed her mind when the two fell in love, had turned Michaela over to a life of petty crime. In the months following the breakup, family described a change in Tammy. And when she called to say she was traveling with her ex-girlfriend, her new lover, and all of their children, they were a little more than confused. Then came the calls asking for money. At some point in February, the strange caravan moved to Portage, Wisconsin to see the snow. But before doing so, Candace Clark took her two-year-old daughter from her Florida foster home and fled the state. Which is what brought law enforcement officers knocking at the door with a warrant for Candace Clark on June 15, 2007. When she answered the door, she gave police a false name and denied that Michael Sisk, her boyfriend, who they were also looking for, was at home. They weren't buying it. She finally admitted that she was Candace and that the little girl she had stolen was alive and well. Those residing in the home were interviewed, including Tammy's 15-year-old daughter, Felicia, who said that her mother was unavailable. Everyone, as the police were learning, were not only giving false names, but they were lying about much more. Police began taking the children into custody and turning them over to Child Protective Services when Michaela Clerk indicated that there was an 11-year-old boy in the home as well that they had not found. A boy who was later identified as Tammy's 11-year-old son, referred to by his initials ACG, was found in the closet of the home. He had his knees pulled up to his chest, wounds covering his body, and cried when he saw the officers thinking they were about to arrest him. When he was finally taken to a hospital where doctors could assess his injuries, this is what they found. ACG had been grossly burned over a good amount of his body. He had an ulcerated area on the top of his scalp, teeth missing, loop marks from extension cord beatings, burns on his hands that caused mummification and contracture of the fingers, scars covering his body from both new and old injuries, and showed serious signs of malnourishment. In the end, he was officially diagnosed with physical abuse, serial torture, profound malnutrition, chronic medical neglect, educational neglect, and great mental harm. Police questioned Michaela about what happened to the child, and she admitted that she helped to punish the boy with scalding water, helped to hogtie him, and kept the other children out of the room so they weren't hurt by the burning water. Police couldn't help but wonder where Tammy was in all of this. How could a mother let other adults hurt her son? That's when the story got a little darker. It was later found that, on June 4, 2007, early in the morning, Tammy was kicked around by both Michaela and her own 15-year-old daughter. She too was suffering from abuse at the hands of this she too was suffering from abuse at the hands of these sick individuals. She went limp and Felicia and Michaela went to carry her downstairs to the bathroom. Once inside, Michaela dropped Tammy's head and it cracked against the floor. She was then placed in the bathtub fully clothed in order to clean the feces off of her after she had soiled herself. When they pulled her out, she wasn't moving. After delivering a few more blows, Michael Sisk went inside and shut the door. When he came back out, he declared that Tammy was dead. Felicia went on to tell police that she helped to bury her own mother in the backyard. They obtained a search warrant, and sure enough, there was Tammy's remains. 
Her cause of death was manual strangulation. The whole horrible story was true. When all four were brought to trial, Candace and Michael already had outstanding warrants well into the double digits. The preliminary hearings began in November of 2007, and on September 9, 2008, all four were charged with various crimes. They are as follows. Michael Sisk was sentenced to a minimum of 58 years in prison for second-degree reckless homicide, for which he took an Alford plea, hiding a corpse, false imprisonment, aggravated battery, mayhem, child enticement, causing mental harm to a child, intentionally contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and obstructing an officer. Candace Clark, the ringleader of the gang, was sentenced to at least 47 years in prison for second-degree reckless homicide, mayhem, child enticement, physical abuse of a child, mental harm of a child, false imprisonment, and causing delinquency of a minor. Michaela Clerk, once lover of Tammy Garland, was sentenced to 37 years in prison for mayhem, physical abuse of a child, mental harm of a child, and false imprisonment. And finally, Tammy's own daughter, Felicia Garland, was initially charged as an adult, but under pressure that her actions were made under duress, the court moved her to the juvenile division and her records were sealed. This case, while heinous, also brought forth issues with the foster care and child protection system, especially in Florida. The missing two-year-old that Candace took was not reported to authorities by child custody for four months. What may have happened and who may still be alive if police knocked on their door four months earlier? Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on June 5th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.